Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, hello. We are back and happy Tuesday. Woo-hoo! I'm losing track of the days at this point. Honestly, it could just be any other day. Before you know it, we're going to blink and it's going to be Pride Month. OMG, <laughs> that's like, true. Everything is just going by so insanely quick. But sure, I'm happy you're back. I am us. back. I am. And thank you to Ryan who uh, got me caffeinated today. Yes. We are like a caffeine machine here in the studio. Bought me a coffee. I feel like when you start doing that for like colleagues, is there something like we need to start buying each other, you know, I don't know, like something in return? Well, you just got to be there. You know, if, if you need someone to grab a coffee, if you need them to do something, you know, we're, we're here for it. Just beg. Yeah, I mean, literally, just honestly, just bad. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, you know, L.A., as, as I mentioned before, has been really hot. But so over the weekend, I'm you know, I, I brought my summer clothes out. And then I wake up today and I'm not at my place, right? I'm at my partner's. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to an event tonight and all that. And all I have is my summer clothes. But it's getting cold again. Yeah, this is you, weird. See, I knew last week that that was just a heat wave, and then they were going to, you know, Mother Nature is telling us, oh, we're all going to die soon, and so she's going to freeze us out. Like, we're going to, if you're a fan of Snowpiercer, we're probably all going to be frozen to death and just be on a train for the rest of our lives. Oh, God. So I hope it's not weird to wear, like, sandals, like, open it's toe. It's to be weird. Now. In LA, this is like our winter. So I'm, I, it's like, imagine you're in the winter with someone wearing shorts, which I know you're out there, it's, but it is weird. Well, no, I mean... I mean, I grew up literally predominantly in like a very white neighborhood and it could be the coldest of cold. Like it could be like damn near 50, 40 degrees and I would still find a white person in a flip flop and a short. <laughs> what is wrong with all of and, you? And so it, it's not really that shocking if you show up in a flip flop. I'm just making it like I'm wearing or like sandal. sexy outfit. That's it. I'm leaning on the sexy <laughs> outfit with you know, no covers. All oh, right. God. Lots happening on the show today. After a notable Olympian's big missteps in Beijing, should we reexamine how we look at failure? I feel like the conversation around failure will bring up a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Plus, has Biden's inaction on student loans put him in jeopardy with another key voting block? Politico joins us next hour. Up first, though, is the fear of backlash over CRT causing teachers to be fearful and self-censor. The Washington Post joins us in 10 minutes. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. A Republican state senator in Arizona has gone against his party to kill a bill that would have banned gender-affirming health care for minors. Uh, Senator Tyler Pace voted last week against advancing the bill and that bill would have banned all gender affirming procedures for people under 18 so congrats to senator tyler pace for doing the right thing i mean not gonna give someone a cookie for that but um at least some people are making the right decision 
Now, supporters of Donald Trump have been creating this whole story or moving towards a story that broke this weekend that involves a filing by U.S. Attorney John Durham that conservatives have been using to accuse Hillary Clinton and her campaign of spying on Trump and his campaign. This is never ending. Uh, So then there's this viral clip that has come out of um, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is the out press secretary. this back and forth between her and Fox journalist Jackie Heinrich from uh, Fox News. Here it is. This news about a uh, Durham investigation. Um, does the president have any concerns about a candidate for president uh, using computer experts to infiltrate computer systems um, of competing candidates or even the president-elect to you for the goal of creating a narrative? Is that something that... That's something I can't speak to from this podium, so I, I refer you to the Department of Justice. Is, is what was described in that report monitoring internet traffic, is, is that spying? Again, I can't speak to that report. You, I, I refer you to the Department of Justice. Generally speaking, with monitoring internet traffic. Jackie, my answer is not going to change. I refer you to the Department of Justice. <laughs> it was just awkward. Oh it was very God. awkward. It's literally like... Uh, just argue with someone who's like not understanding or comprehending what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, and next hour, we'll talk more about queer sprinter Shikari Richardson and her tweet calling out the Olympics. That's next hour. But what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, well, speaking of Kanye, actually, let's dive into this story. Oh. He's uh, taking accountability, apparently, something he's never done before. Cute. It's time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Kanye West says he's taking, quote, accountability for his recent social media rant about his estranged wife, Kim Kardashian. He said this in a caption of a a picture of himself on stage via Instagram. He said, I know sharing screenshots was jarring and came off as harassing Kim. I take accountability. Mm. I'm still learning in real time. I don't have all the answers to be a good leader is to be a good listener. Wes also apologized for his use of all caps in his since deleted post, which he realized made people, quote, feel like I'm screaming at them. He says, I'm working on my communication. I can benefit from a team of creative professionals, organizers, mobilizers, and community leaders. Thank everybody for supporting me. Um, And then two hours later flies by and then he posted something about that felt like another slam towards Kim about not being able to see his kids. And so for me, he's going to continue to do the same thing. It's really, really scary. Actually, Uh, this type of apology is not phasing me. I think it's, um, I mean, he's, in the span of 24 hours, he has started rumors about Pete, uh, Pete, uh, what's his name? Pete Davidson. Davidson. That guy. He's threatened him again. He's told fans to basically, th- you know, find him and do things to him. He's, He's literally doing things that if this was anyone else, we would all be looking at like, we need to get her some help or like make sure she's protected in ways because this person is crazy. And so I I don't know. This little apology means nothing. And I doubt it means anything to Kim. Well, it just seems like he's going through an unfortunately what seems to be a possible manic episode. So where he he's seeing some rationale that he needs support. But then he'll be right back at that in five minutes from now. So um, that's your team report. We got more uh, stories coming up next hour. Okay, well, next up, how teachers are scared and self-censoring after critical race theory laws come into play. The Washington Post joins us for that next. In 13 states, new laws or directives governing how race can be taught in schools is basically leading to a system for complaints. And the result is that teachers and principals are saying that it's creating a climate of fear around how to comply with rules they often do not understand. Um, And this can be actually very dangerous, the way this is going. Laura Meckler joins us right now, education reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
Has this reached a tipping point? Can you explain what you discovered in reporting on this story? Well, what we discovered, I mean, just, you know, to be clear, there are plenty of people who aren't feeling any effects of these these laws and, and state rules. But we found quite a few teachers and principals around the country who really are. And they're saying that the, they don't, like you said, that they just don't understand what these laws are meant to. Well, they may understand what they're meant to do, but they don't really understand what exactly they outlaw. So, for instance, it might say something like, you cannot teach anything that suggests that any race, gender, sex, um, national origin is superior to another. So, of course, like, who would, who would teach that, right? Like, but then they think, well, if we teach a part of American history where that one gender or one um, race did consider themselves um, superior to the other, are we in violation? You know, so there's just a, 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 a mis- um, a lot of confusion over like what exactly is allowed and what isn't. So we're finding that a lot of, you know, teachers are sort of um, for fear of running afoul of the law are making changes in their classes and what they're offering and how they're talking about current events to their students. Yeah, these educational kind of political talking points, it feels like they have obviously been at the center of a lot of political discourse. Mm -hmm. But my thing is, especially if someone has not been you know, as a political talking head, like we are, like, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's following the news, it could seem like all of this education talk has kind of come out of nowhere. Have we seen this historically in the past, or is this actually something new that's entered into the political landscape? Well, I think both, okay? You know, like, I think that it's not new to have schools in the middle of a culture war conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's happened over prayer in school, for instance. It's happened over um, transgender rights. It's happened over a lot of different areas. So in that sense, it's not new. But this particular flavor is new, I think. This idea specifically about race, but also sometimes about gender, about um, challenging you know, how history is taught and what you can and cannot say in a classroom. Really very, very, very much core to the curriculum itself. This isn't about, you know, who's playing on the, you know, the, the track, who's running on the track team or, um, you know, whether you're standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, this is about, like, the actual core of education. Yeah, and I guess what is the impact of something like this? Because I feel like there's ethical and human rights almost violations when you're doing something like this. Like, it does remind uh, us of all those shows or movies that we watched of, like, the beginning of, I would say, censorship on the other side, where it's, like, social censorship, right? Where you're cutting out a certain group of people, right, which continues to play into discriminatory behavior. Yeah, I mean, I think the people who are who would support these laws would say, no, we're not, we're not censoring. You can still talk about history. You can still talk about um, what has happened in this country, and that we're not. We just don't want you to take it to the point where it's not true or taking it too far. But the problem is, it's just very, very murky about where these lines are and some of these definitions about, like, for instance, there's there's even more, by the way, legislation pending, like, all over the country right now. So we may have a lot more of these laws if we talk about this in six months, yeah. but um, which I suspect we will be. The um, You know, you have legislation, for instance, that you can't talk about something that will cause a student discomfort based on their race. Well, you know, some of us, if, you know, you're white and you hear about slavery, you might feel discomfort. Um, and they're, you know, they're saying like, well, you shouldn't, we should, you know, schools shouldn't be making children feel like they're responsible for like what happened, you know, 150 years ago. And of course 
they're not responsible themselves. I mean, nobody today is personally responsible for any of this, but there's, there's, and that, but this gets even more dicey than when you start talking about issues of like white privilege or even put even more sort of um, provocatively white supremacy. When you talk about those issues, then you really start to, that's when people, conservatives get very upset and they say, you know, this is not appropriate and um, we do not want this taught to our kids. Yeah, we're talking with Laura Meckler from the Washington Post. And I think as we wrap this conversation up, I wonder, are any teacher unions kind of speaking out about this, Um, especially when, you know, these things are coming to play? Have we heard them, you know, hear about the concerns that teachers are feeling? Oh, yeah. The teachers unions are completely against this, these pieces of legislation. They lobby against them. They have in two states filed suits um, against them, um, um, objecting to them on uh, various grounds. So, yes, the, the teachers unions are very much uh, in opposition. Including when they're going to pull money from um, any, sor- any sort of schools or education efforts and equity efforts. It's really unfortunate. Well, uh, that was Laura Meckler, education reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. So much more to discuss, but we'll definitely have to have her back. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, what's coming up next, Ryan? Well, coming up, how one big city St. Patrick's Day parade is still excluding LGBTQ Mm. plus folks. That is coming up. Don't you go in. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Anywhere. 
so this story is actually insane. Richmond County St. Patrick's Day Parade Incorporated, which organizes the parade, has reportedly rejected applications from local LGBTQ groups, including the Pride Center of Staten Island, for marching under their own banner. And here on Channel Q, especially here on Let's Go There, we really like to cover those local stories that are happening to bring a national feel to it, to let you all know what's happening in our community. Well, guess what? Joining us is the executive director of the Pride Center of Staten Island, Carol Bullock. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I mean, this is so unfortunate that Mm. it's on these terms. But can you talk to us about the importance of this, right? Because, you know, it's a St. Patrick's Day parade. A lot of people wouldn't necessarily connect to the, you know, the LGBTQ plus community to it. So give us a little backstory on what's happening here. Yeah, so here on Staten Island, uh, there is a a fairly large Irish community. And, uh, you know, the parade here is a big deal. It's a lot of fun for everyone to participate in. And, you know, uh, the restaurants and bars along Forest Avenue are just great to be around. Um, And so my first year attempting to apply, the center had attempted prior to my um, coming on board, but in 2018, when I went to apply, uh, quite frankly, I wasn't, um, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting the response, and it was just a flat-out, no, get out. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay, this is how this is going to go. And so, you know, we have, again, a very large Irish community, but within that, on Staten Island, is a very large LGBTQ plus community. And we have constituents who are excluded from celebrating in this great parade um, due to what I consider a a few individuals who are the pride, uh, I'm sorry, the parade committee. Yeah, where is Pete Davidson when you need him in Staten Island? I mean, exactly. I don't know. Why he should, maybe he could do something about this. But I guess uh, this is, (laughs) sorry, that was my my hot take. but I mean, so is, is this now, uh, get, is the word getting out that this is happening more and more? Um, and what is being done? I mean, how is it possible that they're even doing this? Uh, it's, it's so wrong. Yeah, it really is wrong. And, and I could use uh, Pete and Colin out here for sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I, two years ago, we really had just great support. We had organizations who refused to march in the parade. You saw more rainbow flags on the sides of Forest Avenue than you saw Irish flags. So it was really, you know, we had elected officials who refused to participate. Mm. And then, of course, um, last year the parade didn't happen. So we lost a little steam there. But, you know, it's it's something that I'm going to be persistent. Um, I just I feel as though this sends a message to, you know, perhaps a, a youth is out there who. Um, is thinking of coming out and they see this broader example of what could happen to them, you know, the exclusion. Well, it seems like, and if you're just now joining us, we are talking to Kara Bullock, the executive director of the Pride Center of Staten Island. And it seems like the the guy who heads the uh, parade committee needs to be (laughs) completely, you know, taken, not, you know, just replaced because Larry Cummings offered an explanation for this decision saying, here's the deal. It's a non-sexual identification parade. And that's that. No, they are not marching. Don't try to keep asking a million free 
freaking questions, okay? The fact of the matter is that what it is, okay, and that's that. And honestly, I, I find that it, it, it starts to be looked at that we you need to see you know people who are more forward thinking and progressive heading up these parade committees and mm-hmm. just because it's a you know Staten Island doesn't mean that you know progression doesn't exist there yeah I mean we're the only borough right now that in New York City that we can't march in the um, St. Patrick's Day Parade and it, you know I will tell you that each year he has thrown at me that we go against the tenets of the Catholic Church um <laughs> I don't know. I've read the Apostles' Creed. I've recited it my whole life, and I don't say anything about the LGBTQ plus community in there. Um, so, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> it's frustrating. It's discrimination, yeah. um, and it's exclusion. I think it's you know it's going to have to change for sure. Is there anything that we can do? You know, even if we're not in Staten Island to support. Uh, what you're doing and the work you're doing there? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question because that's a whole other piece of this, right? We are a community center. Um, we provide so many services like mental health counseling, uh, you know, HIV testing as well as education, all kinds of different programs. So what I would encourage anybody, and uh, obviously we now have a virtual component is you go to our website, pridecentersi.org. Um, a, you could help financially, of course. Um, you can enroll in any of our programs that you may need help with. But, you know, take it to local officials and, and anyone you can talk to to help um, help our cause here. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we are here for you. You're always welcome back. You're part of the Channel Q fam. Yes, yes. And that was Carol Bullock, the executive director of the Pride Center of Staten Island. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Anytime. Sharon, what's up next? You need to make your own uh, St. Patrick's Day parade. I mean, honestly, yeah. Why not do that? It'll be better anyway. Actually, that, yeah, I think that needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up next, is this popular site's clickbait journalism just come off as racist? What they did next. The big news to come out of the Super Bowl, according to the New York Post, is the fact that, wait for it, Snoop Dogg smoked weed before his halftime performance. What? <laughs> oh, my God. That was the scoop. Yeah. Someone who's known, who's probably like the most famous person known for putting cannabis in the mainstream was smoking before the halftime show. We know Snoop is basically stoned 24-7. It's not surprising. Plus, it's legal here. So it's like, what is this news about? And it brought up uh, a bigger conversation of like, was that even just racist to be posting about it? Like calling a rapper out for smoking weed before a performance? Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I didn't... um... I, I guess I didn't really even, like, I saw this New York Post come out with this article, but I didn't really even get the the racism angle. Yeah. Um, but it, because also, for context, the New York Post is a conservative brand. They've always been, even in a lot of their reporting. Um, I think in the ownership of who owns, like, the New York Post and Page Six, they're also, they lean very kind of 
right-leaning on a lot of ways they tell their stories and especially when they're talking about politics in a lot of ways and so for me like this isn't really like that shocking yeah. um, and even the way they like reported it I feel like people like the internet just took it and ran with it oh yeah because they're literally just you know this clip came out and of course when you're reporting on entertainment news or just the news of course it's going to be a write-up so for me it was just like I I guess I didn't see the 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 deeper conversations that now are being brought to the light which are important yeah to have but at first I was just like girl like so, just yeah. saying here's the thing t- looking at someone was there and I saw Snoop backstage leaning down and it is kind of it's a funny clip because you're like oh this is so Snoop like watching in real time what he does right yeah. he's just like leaning down before going on stage and like getting a, a hit, taking a hit or whatever uh and and so then you know there'd be a difference between them posting about this because it is a viral clip and saying like Snoop Dogg taking a hit before the Super Bowl is all of us or something like that. Like that's very BuzzFeed, right? I mean, but don't like, like I said, don't get it twisted. The New York Post and Rupert Murdoch are not the greatest people, and like the their reporting most definitely is going to have you. There, it's always going to have a right leaning perspective to it. Someone, can I just? All right, we're going to wrap. But I'm going to say some of these tweets uh, making fun of this. Breaking the Pope prays before Mass. Uh, someone also wrote, I also, uh, the Franklin Leonard, I'll credit these people. I also hear Matthew Stafford had Gatorade during halftime. Same level of intrigue. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what? Like, what Like what are y'all talking about here? Do better. You know, be smarter in terms of how you write these stories and the headlines. Anyway. And then also just, I mean, literally realize that some things are not worth reporting on. Yeah, retweet it yeah. or post it on social yeah. media. It's not worth an actual article about it. We did click it, though, and it probably got the ad revenue they needed. Maybe that month. You know, sometimes I don't think people like actually click it. I feel like people, um, especially on things like this, I feel like people just like quote tweet it and with their thoughts, and then like no one ever clicks it. Like this is like when they just read the headlines. That's what a lot of like traffic is when it comes to that is true. You know, uh, well, stories. well. Next up, uh, someone else is in the headlines: choreographer and musician Todrick Hall. But it might not be what you think it's for. That and more next on what's trending this hour. We are back. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. But next up on the show, has Biden's inaction on student loans put him in jeopardy with another key voting block? Politico joins us in 10 minutes. And uh, be sure to join us tomorrow, 5.20 p.m. Eastern, 2.20 p.m. Pacific, as actress and GLAAD board member Peppermint joins us to discuss her take on all these anti-trans bills that are popping up all over the country. So excited to have her Now, she is someone I can't wait to hear from. Yep. She's going to be incredible. That's tomorrow. First, right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Another transgender American has been reported to have died by violence in 2021, bringing the year's already record total to 55. Black trans woman Kiva Scatter uh, was shot to death in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, October 15th, according to Transgriot. Her death occurred in October, but just now being widely reported, bringing, as I mentioned, the total from 2021 to 55. Wow. And now attorney Josh Koskoff has announced a $73 million settlement between Sandy Hook families and the gun manufacturer Remington. Here he is. You really have not had, you're really in a, in a situation that's very unique when you experience something like somebody being told they're getting a certain amount of money, a lot of money, and having that hurt, having that hurt. These families, they would pay everything. they give it all back just for one minute. That would be true justice. Yeah, the whole uh, situation, the whole uh, trial uh, was eight, an eight-year-long battle. 
that began two years after a shooter, Adam Lanza, was armed with a high-powered rifle during his rampage in Newtown, Connecticut, that killed 28 people, including 20 young children. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, so Todrick Hall, oh my God, is in the headlines, and it's not for Celebrity Big Brother. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So a former videographer for Todrick Hall has gone public alleging exploitation and psychological abuse at the hands of the singer. A Twitter user identified as Jacob and using the handle at Bewildered Barry took to the platform on February 4th. To report his experience touring with uh, Todrick back in 2018. He shared an image of himself following the tour in which he looked very thin and exhausted. And in his posts, he also claimed that uh, Todrick never provided him meals, that his paychecks were frequently late, and that he was forced to load in sets to venues, something a videographer would not be forced to do on a union production. Now, throughout his series of posts, Jacob alleged that Hall played, quote, mind games with his crew and, quote, would make an example of anyone who complained by humiliating them in front of the rest of the company. Woo! He also alludes to even more egregious behavior on the part of Hall, but did not go into detail. Jacob furthers claims um, to have stayed silent for four years out of fear of, you know, uh, just basically just being dragged or canceled. He said, he, he wrote this, he said, I barely told anyone about how horrible my work with him was because I didn't want it to affect future work. Mm. And if you know anything about Todrick Hall, this is not the first time that Todrick has come under fire for alleged mistreatment of his employees. This is wild. Yeah, I mean, uh, Todrick is very outspoken in terms of his um, workaholic ways and how he just does a lot. And he... He's even told me, like, he'll make stuff happen overnight, last minute. And that, in some ways, is his biggest strength, but his biggest weakness. Because when you do that, you're probably putting a lot of people on your team in, a, in not necessarily a good place, right? Yeah. A lot of chaos and You know, I've met Tadrick like as well. And I think he's a sweet guy, but I don't know why everybody keeps going back to work with him because it's not good. There has been sexual harassment claims. There has been, uh, you know, claims about him not paying people on time. Sometimes, you know, you got to stop working with people for them to understand how they need to properly handle their business. That is really, really important. And we we could probably talk about this forever. But go to wearechannelq.com to check out more. That is your T-Report. Okay, well, next up, Biden's inaction on student loans. And has it put him in jeopardy with another key voting block? We're breaking it all all down with Politico next. In an interview with The New Yorker, AOC has warned that President Biden should do more on student loan debt cancellation if the Democrats hope to have, quote, any chance in the 2022 midterm elections. Okay, I mean, that is real. And we know where she stands on this. It's all. Is it a threat? (laughs) I mean, something needs to happen. I don't know how much it's going to help the Democrats in terms of unity and just saying like, It's obvious that there's going to be more division with this. But uh, here to share more is Michael Stratford, education reporter at Politico. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So I I guess, where do things currently stand with the Biden administration as it comes to student loan debt? Because I know things have shifted over his term. That's right. Um, So you'll you'll remember that um, President Biden came into office with federal student loans paused, frozen, interest and payments because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that started under the Trump administration. 
And what the Biden administration has done is continue and sort of kick the can down the road, continue that freeze, continue that pause. um, And it's currently scheduled to expire on May 1st. And that sort of tees up somewhat of an informal deadline for the administration to decide how it wants to handle student debt cancellation, which is something, as you mentioned, is being pushed by by progressives on the left. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I can do if I was to give a compliment to Republicans is the fact that they know how to all be on one message. Democrats have a really bad messaging issue. And I I wonder, is this something, especially when it comes to just yet another thing that they are all misaligned on, could this really impact them going into the uh, 2022 midterms if they don't like have a like come to Jesus moment and sit in the room and figure out what are we actually prioritizing and what we're not prioritizing? so it doesn't have like seven different messages all going at once. Yeah, I think I mean, I think you're right. This is certainly an issue that divides the Democratic Party with progressive progressives wanting to see outright debt cancellation. And that's something that more moderate Democrats might be a little more skeptical of. And I think you see that playing out right now within the Biden administration. There are different voices within the education department, within the White House who have differing views on what to do with the portfolio of student loan debt, which we know is extremely large, about $1.7 trillion right now, the vast majority of it held by the federal government. Um, But you're you're right that something needs to happen because there is this looming May 1st deadline. And while debt cancellation across the board might be something that divides Democrats, there's actually been a surprising amount of unity on the pandemic freeze and the pandemic pause on federal student loans back in December when it was about to, um, the student loan payments were about to start, um, you saw even some moderate Democrats saying, wait, wait a minute, we don't want to send um, our constituents student loan bills, especially in, at the beginning of a midterm election year. Um, so there's some division, um, but also some unity on the need to do something to help student loan borrowers an important, you know, constituency in the Democratic Party. Yeah, again, we're talking to Michael Stratford at Politico. So where would AOC and her uh, crew, what's it, what are they called? Where, what would they be happy with? Like, right, because, you know, it, it's clear that we're not going to wipe it completely at this point, even though I know that's a goal for a lot of people. Yes, the squad, AOC and the squad. squad. That's I, it. <laughs> the crew. That's the crew. That's like the cheap version. So... You know, the the left has really shifted the conversation within the Democratic Party on student loan debt in the past couple of years. I think many of them on the left have advocated for complete outright cancellation of all $1.7 trillion of student loan debt. We know that uh, President Biden is not willing to do that. He's said as much publicly. Some Democrats have talked about $50,000 per borrower. He's ruled that. President Biden has ruled that out as well. And during the campaign, he endorsed $10,000 per borrower. So I think if there, if the administration decides to go ahead and do some type of debt cancellation, you're probably looking at something in the $10,000 per, per borrower range. Wow. Okay. So with this, with this news, do you think, you know, Biden actually is going to possibly do something if he continues to kind of get pushback in, in getting pressure in, in ways, do we actually think he'll actually do something about student loans? Yeah, that, that, is, that is the big question. The administration has said that 
they're at least entertaining the idea. You know, there there are pretty high profile Democrats besides AOC. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is another advocate of this. So the White House is saying it's taking these requests and these proposals seriously. They are, have said that they're looking at two questions. One is whether they have the legal powers to do this on their own through an executive order. And the second is the, the policy implication. Like, is this a good good thing for them to be doing? And they have said, that's been a review that's been going on for a, a, almost a year now, um, that they, they've said they're, they're still considering both, both options there. Okay, well, that was Michael Stratford, education reporter at Politico. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? Okay, so you won't believe the top behaviors that cause you to sabotage your happiness. Now, am I speaking to you? That's coming up in seven minutes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Well, let's talk about self-sabotage. Yay! Isn't that fun? OMG, my favorite <laughs> subject. Well, no, it's so interesting because HuffPost came out with this article talking about the four common behaviors that secretly make you feel bad about Ooh. yourself. And I think it's what's so interesting, so much kind of came up to my in my mind when it when it comes to like these ideas of like those those voices in your head mm-hmm. that just really sometimes can be louder than the the ones that are trying to keep you out on the straight and narrow. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the, the positive ones versus the negative Woo! ones. Woo! Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let's talk about this, especially like kind of what pop comes up for us. And I would love to know, like, when you, when you saw this, what came up for you? Like, what were some of those things that you felt like were you able to recognize when it comes to, like, feeling bad about yourself? Um, okay. Toxic behaviors. And even, even, not even looking at this. Yeah, you don't look me. at it. You're look, I mean, you're looking at it right now, but don't look at it. I'm going to look at you. <laughs> Um, I would say uh, some of those behaviors um, is uh, negative mindset, like Mm -hmm. just thinking uh, negative thoughts um, about yourself, like judging yourself, um, overthinking, comparison, uh, when you don't take care of yourself, like even sleep, Mm. you know, you're setting yourself up for failure and that will... uh, that will create more of those kind of negative behaviors or thought patterns. Like typically we already have it in us, as you mentioned, but it doesn't help if you're not giving yourself the right rest or nutrition or you're not taking care of your body or mind that will just be amplified. Oh my God. Sleep is so important. And I feel like I'm just now realizing like, 
at my big age at 28 where I'm like, yeah, you need rest. Like you, yeah. you notice when uh-huh. you like wake up and you're still kind of like lounging or just feeling lazy or just not having the energy. Right. Um, for me, it's most definitely like the, the, the harsh insecure voices that come in mm. my brain about like, uh, some days are better than some totally. where I have like those moments where like, I'm completely just so mean to myself. Mm, like for me, that's yeah. when I'm in that headspace, it's really hard for me to come out of it right like uh-huh. it, the, the anxiety can morph into just being mean uh-huh. to, to myself and I think that's how I know I'm anxious because my anxiety is a negative voice Oof. like that's that's what I figured out like when I'm when I'm looking myself in the mirror and I'm like even if you're just walking by a reflection of yourself and I see something that I'm just like oh and it spirals that is for that's for sure something that I I still daily go through. So you're already doing really well. You know how because you're aware. I'm in therapy. Right? That's and the only therapy. reason why I'm like yeah, exactly. surviving and being right? able to talk about but it. But like that awareness, as you continue to know yourself and all sides of yourself, it allows you to call yourself out to say, "I know better, and I I deserve better." But in the moment, I don't call myself out in the moment. But you're learning, but meaning there, it's like a muscle, right? You're, you're still in the process and the process continues forever. But like, there's a difference between you being at the beginning of that where you're in denial yeah. and you're just like, this is just who I am. Yeah. You know, those people, you know, those friends, right? Who they're like negative and like, they not only put others down, they put themselves down mm. and they're like, that's just who I am. I'm just not a positive person. You're like, no, you're just not aware of how you're well, hurting yourself. I've never heard not of anyone people. say they're not a positive person. No, some people Oh, I've heard those people where it's like really? you've had people literally say or that. Or like, they're not I just am not like that. Oh, I don't want to be. And you've said this like toxic positive, and like yeah. they use that as an excuse for yeah. putting themselves down. Even though toxic positivity is a of real course, thing, but then don't use use that as a veil for normalizing how you are acting to yeah. yourself. And I mean, it even pops up in in re- like you know rela- relationships mm-hmm. when you're dating. Like for me, I've I found out, and this is another thing with like what that I'm trying to experience when I'm dating. It's like, I need to like know all the answers. Like if someone likes me instead of just being present in the moment, like I'm starting. Wouldn't that be great? It's crazy. I didn't realize I did this, but someone pointed out to me, like I, I go ahead and picture like, oh, the, the beginning, middle and the end. Oh my God. So I can kind of brace myself for the impact Uh as a protection thing. And so it's like, it's just wild. And I think this is all on the list because I I know we have to like talk about. Uh, Yeah. Making the stories we tell ourselves, oh, right? Yeah, and that's the problem so is, is because uh, unfortunately, because of trauma, those stories are real. They are ingrained in you. And but the, I still don't think the reason why I do it is because I don't want to be delusional about stuff. Because I do think sometimes you can, you can, you can be so present in the moment that you're just being like you're literally walking in like with blinders. Here's the thing, though, Ryan. I'll, t- I'll ask you. That you for s- me is it, it changes. You say that, but is that what you do? What walking? Yeah. So why are you? Why are you saying? But I then you can, I'm going to do this. I don't do it because I, I prevent myself from doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah. But I'm also worried that I am going to do it if I don't prevent. But myself then, from but you, because you're creating a story about yourself that's not real to protect yourself to like continue to encourage yourself doing the wrong behavior. Okay, that do goes you see with that? self-sabotaging. <laughs> that's the number one thing on this list. So yeah, that's the thing. The stories I do this in partnership too. It could be in a intimate relationship or a work relationship where I create a story of what I've been through or what I think could happen, yeah. even though that's never happened, and then I project it onto that situation. And yeah. then that it, that's not fair to you. That's not fair to the other person. And like it takes, to be honest, a lot of therapy. And 
the right safe situations and safe people to be around you to lovingly call you out, right? That about is it. true. Because like that that's happened true. with my partner where I'm like, you're going to do, you know, and then if this happens, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And he's like, is that what I said? Have I shown you that? And I'm like, no, but it could happen. He's like, but that's not happening. Yeah. So it's like, well, yes, yeah. you could prepare for that and you could create that story. That's not like, that's not reality, right? Yeah. And like you, at a certain point, you need to stop you creating that You have to give yourself buffer. a reality check or have people yeah. around you who are willing to give you that damn reality check. Right? That is true. That's that is true. Good. And don't wait. And we all do this. We'll learn the lessons the hard way because that's the only way to learn lessons and build the muscle. Yeah. But like if you keep learning a lesson that hurts over and over and over again, do something different. Stop doing the That's same true. thing over and over again, expecting different results. A lot of people do find comfort in these habits, the stories that they tell themselves, because that's the closest thing that feels like normal to them. But then you're not going to be getting the results you want. So that as long as you want to sacrifice that, keep doing those things. All right. That Woo. was that was our, uh, I wouldn't say Tony Robbins moment, but that was no, our uh, motivational mo- Monday. Oh my God. Don't brand it. You always want to brand stuff. <laughs> That's your toxic trait, branding things. (laughs) If you do this one thing at when you're at a bar, watch out because you might get called out. Loser. (laughs) That's according uh, to this uh, writer, NJ.com, NewJersey.com, and the Star Ledger food and culture writer Jeremy Schneider, who posted this very controversial tweet. (laughs) Please know if you're someone who brings a book to the bar, nobody likes you. This created a frenzy of reaction as. Uh, and as it would for New York media, I feel like in LA this just doesn't it doesn't have the same reaction. No, no, but for some reason you're New York, you're a media person, in LA yes. you post anything. When you're pretentious, and I feel like there's a lot of pretentious people in New York. Like New York City is very artsy fartsy, like highbrow the arts, and they I feel like they would get triggered by something like this. Well, but this is a culture writer saying that it's bad if you're reading. That said, have you ever been that person reading at? At a bar, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> Brian was just staring at me like, mm. yeah, because I can't compute even going to a bar half the time. I, you know, I used to when I was younger. Oh, I, you're not a bar person. I used to love going to dive bars, you know, and I still will, but I haven't been out in so long. After the quarantine, if I'm being honest, like I never really wasn't a going out person. I did that when I was young in ways where I, I feel like now I don't really do that anymore. Um, but if I saw someone at a bar, like a, a clubby bar, or maybe like a dive bar, you know, reading a book, I would be like, okay, this is a little strange. Hopefully, you know, you don't come back and you're not plotting. Like, it depends on what type of book you're reading, you know? Right. Like, what if you're reading, like, a murder mystery or, like, something like a tragic apocalypse type of, like, then I'm worried that this person's going to come back and, like, do some crazy stuff, you know? Totally. Who knows? It depends on the type of book. It depends on the type of setting. But there are bar cafes where it's, like, it's not that big of a deal. Even the timing of when you're coming to the bar. Yeah. I feel like the happy hour, like, there's a certain time yeah. where it's cool. If anything, it's kind of sexy. It's very romantic. I mean, you're not like, talking to a guy who's reading at a bar. Why not? That means you're closed off. You're in your book. Honestly, why did you come out? No, there's the other side to it. There's two sides. I think this is the person who is either antisocial, and we don't want to just say guy. why are you at a bar? Wait, antisocial, meaning enjoys time to themselves, wants to read this book, 
right? Or maybe they're a student. Maybe they need to do this for work. You never know. At they're a bar? Multitask. There's a, there's a lot of things it's going a win, on. Wait, it's a win-win. No. You, you gain uh, knowledge, plus you get to have a good drink. No, honestly, if you are at a bar, if you're just trying to, like, I don't know, read a book or you got things to do, and you you decided to use your time to go to a bar, yeah, you got why other not? issues. The other side of it well, is... you could just be at wait, home reading your book or at a park. No, if it's at night or it could be raining. There's not not every city has a park. Sure, you are not, not every talking place. Wait, to a guy. But wait, then the other side of it is someone who actually wants attention, even though they act like they don't, uh-huh. right? They and and for women that do when when I do this, I feel like sometimes I actually do want to be left alone. I want to enjoy my time on my own, like I'm I'm doing something for myself. And someone will be like, "What are you reading?" Like they think I want to have a conversation. But I do think there are some people that they actually want to use that as an entryway to talk to the right person. Sure. When is the last time you read a book? Actually, I'm reading a book right now by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, what's it called? It's like about changing your brain. I said, "What's it called?" It's called like changing your brain. <laughs> Welcome back. Instagram for more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Right now, we've got more of Let's Go There, more oh, show. yeah, we do. Uh, we're talking about the Olympics, everything that's been happening in Beijing. Um, and it's bringing up a conversation of whether we should re-examine how we look at failure. So stick around for that conversation. And be sure to join us tomorrow. A reminder, got to plug this, 5.20 p.m. Eastern, 2.20 p.m. Pacific. Actress and GLAD board member Peppermint joins us. Which I love. I mean, she's Glad's family, and she's already been friend of the show. She's been Definitely. on before, but I'm very, very excited that she's joining us again. Exactly. That is on tomorrow's show. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Yeah, real quick, though. I do miss having in-person interviews. Like, I wish she was actually like, here. Right. You know, but the COVID of it all. Who knows if we'll ever have in-person interviews again. It will happen. At least on Zoom, we could like, see them. That's true. You know? Let's talk about what is going on, you know, in Florida, the Don't Say Gay Bill. Well, Equality Florida is stepping up. They've released a TV ad intended to push back against the proposed bill, backed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. All right, Chelsea, you're up. Tell us about your hero. I have two heroes. My two moms. It's okay. You should be proud. Go ahead. Mrs. Thompson, please report to the front office. That is intense, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so good on them for stepping up with this new ad. And hopefully it will do something. But if it's I mean, the more eyes on this, the better. Yes, exactly. Uh, but because DeSantis just is making the decisions, I don't know if it'll make a difference with him. But yeah, something needs to be done. Now, the shutdown of 3G networks won't just impact older phones. Okay, with AT&T's 3G network shutting down next week, another carrier's Who's falling suit later this year. Look at your phone. I'm on LTE sometimes. I'm on 5G. There will reco- Not to brag. Congrats. It will require updates to continue working, including some home alarm systems. This isn't just about phones. Medical devices, such as fall detectors and in-car crash notification and roadside assistance systems, like General Motors OnStar. This reminds me of, you know, when it was, was it 2000 or when the... Um, when Y2K. Y2K. Everyone thought everything was going to crash. Yeah, because conspiracies and people are insane. 
Yes. So a lot of mobile carriers have urged customers to swap their older 3G phones, Android phones, e-readers, and other handheld devices for newer models. The crazy of course. thing, if you were a, a church kid, you just thought Jesus was coming back like it was the rapture. Like you didn't, you didn't think it was like technology was all like, I just remember having fears of being like, I haven't even lived my life yet. Like I used to pray that. I used to be like, God, I haven't even lived my life yet. Can you please come when I'm like old so I can at least say I had a life? <laughs> Give me like a few more years. you just coming to rapture me up? Like that is so rude. Think about me, Jesus. <laughs> well, your prayers worked, right? I know. Oh. Now I'm just wishing he'd come at any moment. Send an asteroid. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's really interesting because some would say, okay, yeah, you're expecting everyone just to buy new phones, upgrade. Wouldn't that be a conspiracy theory? about like capitalism Mm. at any rate just make sure you're all good to go it would suck if that put you in a bind when you need your phone and also of course if you're streaming our show on the odyssey app you don't want to mess that up that experience Uh, and finally expectant mothers who get a COVID-19 vaccine while pregnant pass immune protection onto their newborns that's according to the CDC who revealed that today the chances that a baby six months old or younger is hospitalized due to COVID are 61% lower if the mother received two shots of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine while pregnant the results showed that 84% of the babies hospitalized with COVID had been born to unvaccinated mothers. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. We have some good news coming from Simone Biles, which is, like, so incredible. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. It's a little bit of an early yes, Queen, because congratulations are in order for Olympian Simone Biles and NFL player Jonathan Owens, because, honey, they are engaged. As she shared the news in a social media post saying, woke up a fiance along with a few photos with Owens as he popped the question. And she said, I can't wait to spend forever and ever with you. You're everything I dreamed of and more. Let's get married. And of course, she shared even more photos, including a video of her massive engagement ring, a caption with the easiest yes, which honestly... Let me tell you one thing about Simone Biles. Uh Simone Biles knows how to keep a fine-ass boyfriend. There's something about her exes. If you just look at the history (laughs) of who she has dated, oh, my God. They are just absolutely stunning. And he got dimples. He's cute. He's cute. I mean, oh, girl. Anyway, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gold medalist and the Houston Texan football player met via the internet right before the pandemic hit. Um, Basically, back in 2021, he, um, Jonathan told the Texas Monthly that the shutdown created time for them to get to know each other better. He said it was one of the few times in her life where everything was just shut off and she couldn't do anything. So we used it to get to know each other and really get to know each other. It created our bond and made it stronger. Now I'm so thankful. Very cute. Very cute. I love this. Uh, I met two footballers on Friday. Or footballers. Football and what, what you gonna do with that, Sheer? You in a whole relationship. I know. Just you saying. over here and announcing it. It was very fascinating to talk to them because they're off. They're, it's their break, right? I'm like, what's that like? Like, Is it their break? Well, I yeah, guess the they, super, they weren't playing the Super Bowl. Yeah, they weren't playing the Super Bowl. Yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah, so it was cool. Were they like known football players? It's, I wouldn't know. That's the thing. Oh, well, I say mean, their names. Uh, Sheldon Day. Oh, don't actually say that. And names. Malcolm Smith. Oh, hey, shut actually- out. <laughs> Wow, she just name dropped. <laughs> you know how I, I do it. Oh my God, that's your team report. Uh, we'll, 
We have more stories coming up next hour. Stay tuned. Okay. Well, after a notable Olympian's big missteps in Beijing, should we re-examine how we look at failure? That's next. A big story to come out of the Olympics this year, the Winter Olympics, uh, revolves around a conversation around failure. So for some context, world champion and alpine skiing, skiing two-time Olympic gold medalist Michaela Schifrin uh, was a favorite. And unfortunately, she didn't do as well as people expected in her first race. Um, and she also missed a gate within the first five seconds of slalom. I mean, like big things that basically put her uh, back in the race uh, and to the point where there's a clip of an NBC interviewer asking her like her reaction right coming off of the slopes and you can imagine how traumatized you are she's been working 15 years of her life for this and she literally said I don't know it makes me question 15 years of my life so it brings up a conversation oh, wow. because besides like what athletes go through to get to this place and what they go through on the other end of it if they don't hit their mark NBC's coverage of it was in question because they ended up focusing in on her failing moments, right? Of the moment of her on the floor, on her knees after she didn't make, you know, what she was supposed to make, right? And then talking about how big of a deal this was instead of moving on with the competition and with the coverage. And even Simone Biles, who we just spoke about, came in on this saying how it reminded her of how people were reacting to her at the Summer Olympics. I mean, yeah, and that that's something to be said because um, Simone Biles has really been the uh, one of the athletes that we've seen lead these conversations about mental health because for some reason, p- people who are a fan of sports feel like they own the athlete and they expect perfection 24-7, which adds into the pressure of trying to, you know, um, I guess perform in the ways that everyone thinks you're supposed to perform in the Olympics, this is the top of the top of your your career, your game. And so everything that you work for, and if something doesn't, you know, fall into line or something happens, it can be really devastating, not only having to worry about what you feel, what your team feels, your coach feels, but then also what the rest of the world is saying about you. And I think for me, like, this is so relatable in so many ways where even if you're like questioning if you're making the right decision because you're afraid that it may result in failure or if you are afraid of like this idea of rejection, like that feels so normal. But for some reason with athletes, people forget that this is a feeling that we have all felt at some point or the other. Definitely. And I can't imagine what's like being an athlete in the end. Oh, no. You, know, you need to put yourself in the mindset of winning and it's almost like you need to take your head out of any other option, which obviously, as we know, is unrealistic. But sometimes that's what you need to do to get yourself in the mindset of hitting that goal. Well, I mean, even not to compare it like to what we do here, but I'm, it takes a, a certain skill set to do what we do. And, and sometimes when you're doing these things, like sometimes you just wake up on and not feel like being in the mood. Yeah, or even if you're ready. It just doesn't happen the way yeah, you thought it, it was going to happen. Yeah, it just doesn't connect the dots. Uh, but, but unfortunately, you're at the world on the world stage of the Olympics. It's going to be looked at in a different way. It, it's you know you do sign up for it. That said, how can we? I would say as media and as consumers of this, be better, right? Because in the end, you know NBC or any of these places that cover this, just like any news story, unfortunately, they uh, dramatize it. They make it clickbaity. They uh, they focus on that moment that everyone you know is going to be talking about instead of moving on to the rest of the things and that's because it's ratings it's all about ratings i have a question about that is it too late 
for us to be having these conversations about changing the way that we report on things because it's been the culture for so Here's long. And not saying that it's not possible and we shouldn't call for people to be better. But at this point, it just feels like it's going to go in one ear or out the other. Well, let's just go back to, you know, how we cover the show. You know, if there's something big happening, you know, we cover Drag Race. <laughs> you know, that's like, I guess, the Olympics here. Is and it? the way <laughs> the way we sure, do you just play- something gay and was know. like, this is not the way Olymp- we do the play by play, similar. Is it wrong if someone you know, there are people that this will be the biggest moment of their life, say a drag race. But and still- and if someone twists their ankle and falls, you're like, Oh, I wonder what the like this but I'll quote. Push, I'll wait, push back on wait, just let me say this quote, which people are calling out, just saying, like, oh, that was really rough, like or intense, like they shouldn't have said that. Um, they said this, that will play in slow motion for ages to come in her mind. That is so brutal brutal, like the commentary i mean but it i mean that that is is real real. (laughs) that is real i don't i think for me it's like yes there's a certain way of like having some sort of compassion yeah compassion and empathy in it all but like also like that is that's the job that causes that calls to do this right and i think oftentimes is it really based on us and i feel like you've been in the game doing what you've done for doing what you're doing for forever how has your idea of failure shifted because i do think it has to be an inward thing versus relying on an entire institution to change itself. Yeah. These, You'll wait forever for that. These folks are doing uh, what they're, they they got to do, right? There's a lot of money in this and there's people's jobs on the line. Um, and they're being told and, and whoever's producing this to do that. But that's also because it is a big moment, right? Um, these upsets are big moments, um, for the Olympics it's and the for these Olympics. and for these people people's careers. That said, it doesn't mean that it's nice or something that looking back, you know, they might look at the coverage and go, oh, that is so embarrassing. But yes, yeah. it, it brings back the conversation of the importance and what I hope the Olympics takes away from this or any coaches and any athletes is the importance of setting and creating your foundation for your own mental health and your well-being going into this, knowing what the industry is like and you are entering it from a different perspective, knowing like you can control what happens in terms of the coverage or how they're going to take it. I don't even think you should be worried about that. Well, I mean, it impacts people, but yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing. If I'm being honest, and here's a little bit of tough love, and I think a lot of times when you, especially if you want to relay it back to your great example of Drag Race, a lot of the queens, when when they're doing their own versions of recaps, because that's a known thing, they always talk about when you are in the moment and you're re-watching yourself and you're hearing other drag queens who have come before you, you know, critique your outfits or critique what you're doing, you're sensitive to it. But they always say, guess what, you're sensitive now, but like a year ago when it's the next girl's turn or the next group of people, you're be fine because it's just water off your back and I do think that is a really good perspective because we know the culture of social media we know the culture of the internet we know the culture of media and oftentimes if you are trying to be a, 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 a you know at the top top of what you do you have to put blockers in you can't you can't let that you know affect you easier said than done but you have to be able to not allow the way that people are covering things to impact your destination your purpose because if you do then you're setting yourself up because you're in your head worried about what everybody else is instead of realizing what you're doing this for i would say you know it definitely it doesn't help. I think if anything, well, of course, the systems aren't going to necessarily change. It has changed a bit, right? You know how many times people have written in or called me and dr- tried to drag me and how it has seriously affected me in ways yeah. where I've had to realize, but also like had to like snap out of it and be like, girl, 
I'm, I feel like I'm here for a reason. Like the people that want me to hear and hear my perspective, hear the voices, I'm speaking for people who feel this way and for, you know, marginalized groups who don't get the opportunity to do that, what yeah. we're doing, right? And so you can't focus in on the critiques of everything. On the, and the few critiques, you gotta yeah. focus in on like all the big She impacts. made it to the Olympics. She's a Olympic I know, but athlete. You know that, uh, that unfortunately, that's not what people think. I think in hindsight, no, for like, sure. Like in hindsight, when you're yeah. in it, you're in it. I, I think back to when I listened to a podcast where Michelle Kwan talked about um, her Olympic season um, and how she uh, she suffered a, a fracture of her foot. She, she was forced to withdraw from it and just it became this big failure, right? Yeah. Um, that really shadowed her entire career. And we hear about these Olympic stories all the time. Um, I think that once again, in hindsight, you look at good look back and see where you are and say, oh, how much have I accomplished? And it, you can understand it. You can rationalize it. Yeah. Um, but it's harder when you're in it, right? Which is why, yes, again, you got to have compassion for yourself. If you're someone there, you got to support others. It's not easy. More next on Let's Go There. Don't go anywhere. Who has the responsibility that people are paid fairly? That conversation next. Oh, my God. The latest hiring debate to rock Twitter involved a recruiter getting all too real over the weekend about how a salary negotiation went down with the prospective candidate. Hmm. So this freelancer, uh, like freelance recruiter, um, basically shared on her Facebook page that she recently offered a woman a job for $85,000, despite the fact that the company uh, that Johnson worked with actually had a budget of $130,000 for the role. She said this, I offered her that because that's what she asked for, and oh. I personally don't have the bandwidth to give lessons on salary negotiations. No. Always ask for the salary you want, uh, in quotation, um, in you know parentheses, deserve, no matter how large you think it might be. Uh, hashtag be confident. Let me tell you how disgusting this that's person is. That's actually really rude. Yeah, This person who is, uh, for me, this is a, a triggering thing because this is a black woman who is a recruiter and you're over there, you know, um, actually bragging of, and trying to teach a lesson on shortchanging someone when you know you had the budget and you know this person is qualified, pay them what they're worth. A lot of times, because if it was a person of color and we're not sure who it was, or if, it, I mean, it's clearly a woman who's already walking into that position, you know, especially if it's in like tech or something like they're already walking in being like, okay, I'm probably nervous about asking the things that I want to with, you know, go with. And yes, you know, maybe you should believe in yourself and understand what you're worth. But like this idea that, you know, salary recruiters are, uh, you know, freelance recruiters are doing this and then you're trying to prove a lesson is just absolutely disgusting. Like, what's the point of that? You're trying to save a corporation that has all this money. You're Are you saving them money? Like, who does that? It's so disgusting. It's also... It's just, yeah, a lack of compassion of like, you know, you get to learn the lesson yourself. I've learned it, but I'm going to teach you the hard way for what I've been taught, right? I just don't think that's the right way to do it. Also, she's already posted an apology, and the candidate actually saw her post. Ooh, yes. Which is crazy. And also the company, probably. The company is probably like, your job is is a recruiter like obviously get us the best deal but we don't want you cheapskating people like that's not what we stand for it'd probably be an embarrassment in terms of if this came out i hope she never gets hired again yeah your job is to find the best people 
And, and why do you go into recruiting if you don't, if you're not like believing in people and, and trying to fit yes. them in their best work experience? Yes. The fact that you're doing that is just like, who hurt you? That's what I'm saying. Some This is someone that was obviously hurt and learned the hard way and wants to, that's her payback, yeah. right? Instead of saying, I learned, so I want to share that with others and do the right thing that was not done to me. There are two people in this world. There's the people that do that and the people that do the other thing that are resentful yeah. and that will continue the disturbing behavior it's that was so done to bad. them. And she, so she, like, as you know, like you mentioned, she did apologize, but she, she actually got interviewed by HuffPost who, at, you know, asked her about this and said that uh, she told HuffPost Monday that as a freelance talent acquisition specialist, she got, she did not feel empowered to share the story, uh, the salary budget with the candidate and has been let go. So she said this, I posted to my personal Facebook page to encourage people around their worth. I never imagined it would leave my personal page. With this particular candidate, I did what the company required and I was let go. First of all, it's the internet. How dense can you be? If you put anything on the internet, it has an opportunity to go everywhere. Secondly, if you wanted to do the right thing, you would have said, this person was undervaluing themselves. And as a recruiter, I reminded them of what they're worth. This is the same systems that has literally led to women and people of color to be paid less, to feel uncomfortable to even negotiate their salaries. Like, this is exactly it. Here's the thing, and it's on allies slash accomplices. Like, if you're not part of one of those groups, be part of the solution. But if you're in one of those groups... And you have a a, a a position where you can make decisions. Do the right thing, also. Yeah. And I know that could come with nuance yeah. because of the like the politics around certain oh, situations. Oh, we got a yes. Our, our own bosses. Our here. own bosses here, Brian. What do you Uh-oh. think of this program director, Brian Holt? Is this the mic? This yeah. is the mic. What do you think of this? I, I'm, I think you nailed it when you said disgusted. Yeah. Especially considering it was a recruiter. But I would tell you, this is from from my perspective. Right. Right. Listen, the reality is a position has, should at least, mm-hmm. have a budget, and you have a number for that position. Uh-huh. Yeah. You should look for the most qualified people to fit that role, mm-hmm. and you should pay them what you've got the budget yeah. for. Mm-hmm. You don't hold back. If like, that person's that not going? qualified, <laughs> and by the way, as a recruiter, it's yes. not their that's, job. Yeah, that's really weird. And especially when someone who's trying hard to land a job yeah. and trying to advance their career, and you've got the money for them, yeah, bet yeah. you pay. Yeah, yeah. you don't middle. hold back yeah. and go. We're in a pandemic. Yeah. And she's like holding people's yeah. money. If you Where's the money, the money going to go? One thing. But if you've got it, yeah. and especially if I'm the corporation yeah. and I found that out, oh. I mean, she's wrecked. Don't you get commission as a recruiter anyway? So wouldn't you get more commission? I think you're right. I mean, yeah. they, they do. But I think to your point, Ryan, also, it, it's it's when you take advantage of people, yeah. even if you don't try, but you're blundering through it. You have to stop and check because yeah. these are people's lives. Well, here's a, here's how I feel but, like. But she... let me say one more thing. But but the one point that she does make, or or one of you guys made it, if it's a story or otherwise. Always ask for what you think you're worth. Yes. Period. Because there's no harm if the money's there and they'll give it to you. 
great. There's no harm in asking. Well, that's why I feel like this could yeah. have been a beautiful mm-hmm. learning lesson in the sense of she could have offered the budget that she had. The budget and said, parameters, hey, yeah. I want to use this as a, like a learning tool. Like I would, I want you from now on to go with what you're worth. If you believe this is what you're worth, this is what you're worth. Right. And she could have offered a higher number that was over the price that she asked. It didn't have to necessarily be the 130000 but it could have been yeah. a really beautiful learning experience Le- yeah. to yeah. let her know and give her the confidence that you could own it moving forward. By the way, that's great that you asked for eighty. Yeah. Guess what? You're yes. worth more than that, and I'm happy to tell you we can what pay you more What a beautiful gift to give uh, someone. Yes. Exactly. Right? Instead of tough love. Exactly. I get we always talk, yeah. Ryan talks about tough love, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's a time and place for that, and this is not the That's place. Not yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much hey, for being wow, here. Wow, I loved you jumping in. I know. You oh, you were listening. <laughs> that, was, that fired Brian love up. love it. <laughs> all right, sure. What's coming up next? What are the small things to do to help your community? I mean, this is for all you in your cars right now. You uh-huh. know who you are. <laughs> Just be safe out there that's next (laughs) so you're driving and you know a lot of times when you're driving it can be hard you can get antsy anxious angry as we know there's lots of road rage out there you know i've been in the car where you multitask while you drive oh i don't know what you're talking about yeah uh uh-huh no yeah so we're, we're giving you uh seven happiness hacks you can do on a commute before I get into those, Ryan, mm-hmm. do you have anything that helps you get in a better mood while you're driving? Um, uh, actually, it's after I'm done driving. So once I reach to my destination, um, I end up like taking a like a five to ten minute nap in the car Wait. to like recenter myself, oh, and you then I, do? before I walk in, and then I walk in and, and do it. But that, so that's I'll assuming my... you'll be there early. Well, I, I'm. I'm for the most part. I'm, I'm, I arrive early for everything. You'll have to be there ten to fifteen for the minutes most, early. For the most part, I arrive early to everything. And then you do a five minute. Yeah, I sit, I sit in my car and I'll take like I'll just close my eyes, no and take a little way. nap, and then I'll come in. That's very impressive. Yeah, I do it all the time because honestly, I have to. Like you I know have what? To. And that's, that's also the only deal, way. Yeah. Like. Um, not to bring up my therapist again. She's great. Um, she yeah, actually told me out. like she actually told me to take these like minute, like little minute, you know, five minute naps in in some way, but they're mm. not naps, but just like closing my eyes and just being like just block everything out. You know, that's kind of like the way I do it. And then of course I listen to music or podcasts on the way there. That's a great tip, by the way. Thanks. Uh, yes. What about you? What do you uh, do? What do I do? While you're multitasking? No, I don't. Yes, you do. I do not. She's lying that, to you no. all. I'm a voice to text lady voice text. Actually, people, I bother I even, everyone. I didn't with the even voice say texting. you texted. I was just saying voice. you're a multi texter. Uh, I mean, a multitasker. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about a lot. I'm calling a lot of people. You know, I'll try to, if, if there's a good podcast, um, you know, a song, music. It depends on how I'm feeling. I definitely can get into the music and I'll like sing to myself and move like a little mini dance in the car. Like I'll get into it like I'm in a movie of my life. You know, one thing I also do is FaceTime people. That is actually dangerous. No, uh, but no, but my phone is sitting on the little <laughs> That's thing. Still not no, good. it is. My phone is sitting on the in in, in the little compartment it. handle, and I'm not looking at I the know. person I'm FaceTiming. But you know, sometimes it's like you you have an extra person in the car with you. Yeah, I, I hear I've done you. It all, I do it all the time. Yeah, um, I I hear and it's actually you really nice that. because by the time you're halfway through the conversation, you're already at your destination. Well, yes, I I will uh, definitely I'll catch up with people. There's a lot of people that I will miss their calls or just. You know, uh, it's so um, easy you to not said keep anything up. Anything about happiness? No, I said I dance to my with myself as oh, if okay. I'm in my own movie scene. I will listen to a positive, you know, podcast. I love Jay Shetty. Um, if yeah, if I'm stressed, sometimes listening to like some sound healing in the car. 
That mm-hmm. is actually really helpful. Those bowls, those sound healing bowls, let oh, me tell you. I do like those. Oh, they are so good. Are you someone who like yells at other drivers? No, I try not to. If I get annoyed, I try to catch myself because it just doesn't help anyone. So I will go, actually, okay. I have to push back on that. Okay. I can't help you. I'm <laughs> no. screaming in your car with the windows rolled up and calling somebody a dumbass is like honestly one of the best experiences of my entire life. <laughs> well, so I, I watch that vibe, that energy, because sometimes it can then spiral where you're just angry at everything and everyone. No. Yeah, sometimes. No. And also, you just don't know. Here's the thing. You don't know how someone's day is going, what's happening in their life. The last thing I need to do is add to that. Haven't you seen the movie Crash? I don't. That has nothing to do with me. If I think you are being a dumbass because you have cut me off, you deserve it. You honestly so deserve here, it. So here's the thing. I know you were about, that was a great way to end it. I, I did want. Why, why would you unveil the behind the scene work <laughs> like that? Here's the thing. Well. I did once scream at the top of my lungs like I was... I'm not going to say a psychopath. Uh, well. I was freaking the F out. I got, I was talking to my my boyfriend about something and he annoyed me. And let me tell you, uh-huh. and it was a bunch of things happening at once. Um, I got off that phone and I just, I felt like scream. I held onto my steering wheel <laughs> and I was like per- crying, screaming. I was like, if anyone looks at me in the car, they're going to think I'm crazy. And let me tell you, I let it out. And I f- did feel much better. Honestly, Sheer, I feel like your version of screaming no, is like, you like a dandelion no. or something. <laughs> You've seen my one version of screaming. That's true, I have. You've seen the one. It goes But from, even then, yes. it's like a panda bear getting upset. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh my God, the panda bear is like <laughs> growling for a little bit because her tummy I'm hurts. glad you take me seriously. <laughs> We are wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Well, if you were watching the Super Bowl, you might not have noticed a lot of gay. Um, well, it depends on what you define as gay. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, uh, we wanted to give a shout I feel like out. Football is inherently a gay sport. Really? There's a lot of, you know, ass hitting, That's a lot true. of like grabbing at pants and, and things like, you know, it can be a very homo- homoerotic. Okay, I like that. Well, you might have not noticed the five out Rams cheerleaders at the Super Bowl. What? We wanted to give them a big shout out today. That's incredible. Quentin Perron, Napoleon Ginny's, uh, they made history in 2019 when they became the first male cheerleaders in the NFL history to cheer at the Super Bowl, but they're also both openly gay men. So they they were there. Then there was some newbies. Uh, <laughs> what did you call Jennies? Isn't Napoleon? Napoleon. Oh, I thought you said Napoleon. Napoleon Jennies. That's their oh, name. Oh, I don't know. I heard something else. Okay. <laughs> then uh, a shout out to Edwin Diaz, Brendan Ryan, and Jose Capetillo, who were in their rick- rookie season as Rams cheerleaders as well. Insane. That's so yeah. incredible. Uh, Peron said to out sports, it's the biggest badge of honor. I feel like this is the dream team. Yeah. Yes. Uh, How cute is that? Yes. And that does it for our show today as well. Yes, queen. Mm-hmm. But we are back tomorrow, same time, here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, Peppermint joins us to discuss the rise of all these anti-trans bills and what we can do about it. Love having her on, so stick mm-hmm. around for that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, you better remember to slay. Nesta Ground for dating rules to live by next on Loveline with Dr. Chris. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 